Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Rich Quartermeyer loves numbers, and he is a respected academic and professional who deals with statistics. In this interview, we will look into what the low voter turnout meant to last week's election, and we will make our way through the local results to see what it tells us about the campaigns and ourselves as voters. Here is that interview. I'm so pleased to have with me today the host of Active Stats, Rich Quartermeyer. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Some are calling last week the apathy election due to the historic low voter turnout. When you parse the numbers, what did you find? Well, it's it's interesting because I did parse the numbers and there was a, a historically low turnout Ontario wide, uh, well below average and a significant uh, uh, between about 13 point, uh, 12 to 13 point percentage point drop here in uh, in uh, Northumberland, Peterborough South. Uh, we look, I looked at all, I mean, I parsed a bunch of numbers and I'm looking at the deltas and we'll, we'll take the top side. First of all, uh, the population, uh, for the, the 2016 census, which is still being used to count a lot of the total area was 112,000. There are 100,644 registered voters in 2022. And that is up from the 94,504 voters that was 2018. So let's just stop there for a moment because that's sure. really significant. So what you're saying to us right now is, is that in Northumberland, there were more voters than there were previously. Correct. So we had a larger pool. And yet, as you said earlier, fewer people showed up. Correct. And that's really critical uh, for a lot of reasons. We, we can, first of all, I mean, the, the obvious, you know, if you take a look at the, uh, you had 59, uh, of the major four parties, you had 59,000 uh, votes in 2018 and only 48,709. There were other associated uh, small parties in both elections. Uh, so if you take a look at just the parties for a moment, uh, the Delta, the only party that increased any number of votes was Green. They went up approximately 7% uh, in the riding. Uh, the others, the CBC, the Conservatives went down 4%. The Liberals went down 13%. And the NDP took the biggest hit. The NDP dropped 120%. They literally lost half their vote or a little more than half their votes uh, for whatever reason. Uh, okay. But- so that's really, that's really fascinating because, okay, so you're saying the Green actually increased the... Not, even though fewer people voted correct and and then the the progressive conservatives my understanding was that uh they had 51 percent of the vote that night correct so they took 
the lion's share, the majority of, of votes. Mm -hmm. Then you say the liberals, they had they, about the same percent as yeah, before. Yeah, they're little, a little lower, but not tremendously so. In, in a low turnout election, they, they showed about the same as they did in 2018, relatively speaking. But it was the it was the NDP that took the largest hit. Yeah. All right. So let's 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 start to work our way through all that because that that in and of itself is hugely significant. So let's first of all, how does it work that we had a smaller pie that we were pulling from in terms of voter turnout, right? Yeah. But yet the the PCs this time got a bigger slice. The ND, the liberals got the same kind of slice, and then the NDP got a smaller slice, and the Green got a bigger slice. Yeah, it, it's what happens when th this is a low turnout election, and I think much in the same way as the federal election didn't inspire a lot of change. Nor too was Ontario particularly interested in, in what we call changing horses midstream. And the midstream in this case is some degree of economic uncertainty that's occurred in the last couple of years, along with COVID, um, which I think has created sort of a, we don't want to rock the boat right now because we think we're getting through it. And, and I'm not saying everyone has to like Doug Ford, um, or, and not everyone has to really love the CPC policies. Uh, you know, sometimes he's been... Uh, difficult i think to understand some of its policies been back and forth on a bunch of things but when it came to in every riding voting uh particularly in the the newly restructured northumberland peterborough south i just don't sense there was a lot of of movement need to switch back to the liberals uh there just didn't seem to be that and there didn't seem to be a lot of that impetus overall it was a disaster night for the liberals uh frankly all right so before we get into the provincial stuff let's stick with the the local sure in the in the 2018 uh election the uh, pacini got well over twenty-seven thousand votes correct this time he just cleared twenty-six thousand votes what happened to those that one thousand votes is, is that how is that significant or is it even statistically significant that he dropped that number? Yeah, because the actual voting percentage was lower by a significant portion, there are, you know, 11,000 less votes, uh, but he only lost a thousand of those. Statistically speaking, he actually came out ahead uh, of what it was. It was a low energy election um, with not a lot of impetus. So if you're talking just purely on how he fared, relative to the writing and relative to his own history he actually improved his results that that's fascinating because i wonder does that speak to something even more significant which is how strong his base is that he is able to get these numbers out and you know i don't want to make it too complex but i mean even the federal election um philip lawrence not only did he do his, he did better in the in the federal election in the fall than he had in the previous election. Mm -hmm. So does that tell us something then about the makeup of the riding and the progressive conservative base that exists within it? To to an extent, and here's what I mean. Uh, first of all, both Phil Lawrence and particularly David Pacini have excellent 
ground games. There are, particularly David Bacini is at every single, you know, event. In addition, he's also a minister, which, you know, whether you agree or disagree with his policies, that's high profile. So they recognize the energy. And I think people recognize that whether they agree or disagree with an individual policy of his, he is on the forefront. And people, I think, strategically understand that. But here's something that I thought was really interesting. I broke down uh, the numbers in total. Uh, Northumberland, Peter, uh, Northumberland population within the riding is about 89,365. And then Peterborough South is about 23,047, uh, roughly speaking, which means that it's about 79.5% Northumberland and 20.5% Peterborough South. So when you get to the total numbers, you have about, between the two of them, you have about 90 of the 100,000 voters or so, you wind up with about an 80-20 rough split between that. But here's an interesting factor. When you look at the voting eligible percentage in, uh, in 2022, 89.53% of the population of Northumberland, Peterborough South is eligible to vote. Ontario-wide, it's only 79.55%. And that is because uh, Northumberland Peterborough South's population skews older and it trends older, older voters tend to lean a little bit conservative uh, and they also tend to have a higher percentage of voter participation. So I think what you're seeing is an influx of some of those retirees that have, that love to love Coburg uh, and they have had a very, and they have a very strong voting record. Whereas the younger population, which is less of a factor in Northumberland, Peterborough South, than it is in generally in Ontario, uh, they are much less likely to vote here. So I think between the two is why you're seeing a stronger, very consistent base in the CPC. Uh, a fairly consistent, but not nearly as strong as it was 10 years ago, Liberal Party. And then I think the NDP, which briefly surged uh, in 2018, started to see the loss uh, in because I think they just didn't feel like this was a riding they were competitive in. Let's break that down then a, a little bit more. Let's let's look at the Liberals and, and Kosnick's vote. I mean, he mm -hmm. got 25 percent of the, 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 the total votes, but... In fact, he got 12,000, just over almost 13,000 votes. And yet in the last election, they just, Lou Rinaldi just cleared 14,000. So he seemed, again, it, it seems like that pattern again, where it didn't really lose a lot of that base. Right. So I guess what, you know, what you just told me though, is here's all these people out there. We tend to skew older. We have more eligible voters than even the, the province uh, mm -hmm. in terms of total population. Um, but those two parties, very, very solid base in, in, mm -hmm. and they're not really attracting other, other voters or people aren't swinging back and forth. Right. Am I, am I understanding those numbers correctly or am I not? Yeah. yeah basically are. It's, it's a low, it's in a low energy year where everything is down. The CPCs and liberals had what might amount to it's not the overall... cpc by the way it's the progressive conservatives oh progressive talking... conservative. sorry yeah. my, my fault nope. the progressive conservative paul uh party had a pretty good year 
the Liberals had about an on-par year here in Northumberland, Peterborough South. And it's really the NDP that just took a bath. And I think that's because the NDP, which tends to skew both young and also tends to be the party of a lot of civil servants, lost a lot of energy uh, and just did not pick up the same uh, did not pick up the same level of vote it did four years ago. That accounts for the largest percentage of lost voters here in the riding. And I don't know why. Uh, if the candidate wasn't particularly engaging or if it was just such a quick snap election? No, I, 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 I'd question that a little bit. I, I think, you know, if you went back, like take the last election maybe as an, as an abnormality. Okay. Um, because there was so much discontent. If you remember, they were, the population was so upset with the liberals and it was just yes. like, get clean the house. And, and I think the, the uh, NDP provincially caught a wave and that's why they became the opposition. And I, I think it was more maybe that than anything else. Um, but what I wondered though, is with, with the writing changing, the boundaries of the writing changing, are we, are we seeing something that is intractable? In other words, is this just the way it's gonna be? If our population really doesn't change much, in terms of the kinds of people that are migrating in. I mean, there's all kinds of growth studies saying within the next you know, 30 mm -hmm. or 50 years, we're gonna see a big explosion up to 120,000 people living in Northumberland. Mm. Yeah, unless that really changes things dramatically. We're, do, you, do you think we're locked into this? It, it certainly looks like the trend for at least, the, I can tell you the next, maybe the next two provincial elections would, would seem to be from the way I can read it, uh, would lean to a more, I would call it what they would say in polling, lean conservative as opposed to toss up. Oh, uh, how, how did you figure that out though? Could you explain that as simply as possible? Sure. When you start seeing strong returns for a group, in the, particular in this case, we look at the most recent election, David Pacini, but also we look at Philip Lawrence's election. Uh, both of them took home relatively similar percentage to what they did before and others dropped more or less, if you summed up the other three major party totals, you're still underneath what David Piccini got. And to me, that signals not necessarily, I mean, somewhat of a conservative shift for sure, but it also signals to me that people have gotten somewhat comfortable with the progressive conservatives here in Northumberland, Peterborough South, compared to what it might have been in the days before when it was with Quinty West or some of the Durham population. Well, I, I, that makes me think though that, you know, the boundary change is extremely significant in terms of how voting patterns are going. A am I wrong in that? No, you're, you're, you're correct. But also there's something interesting. If you look at the growth rates of, for example, Durham and Toronto, they're significantly higher then the median growth rate in Northumberland, which is 4.2%, which is underneath the 4.6% that's Ontario provincial average. And Peterborough is 2.5%. It's even smaller a growth rate. So that says to me that there's less, for whatever reason, either an aging population or maybe less influx of population compared to say Toronto and Durham, and that group tends, to, that is where the liberals and some of the NDP and some of the, and the Green Party 
elected uh, MPPs had some of their strength. NDP also has some significant strength in Northern Ontario as well. But it shows me that where that blue map was, and it was a huge blue map uh, this time, that people are showing uh, fairly strongly for the Conservatives. And also something else was interesting. If you look at Peterborough in particular, look at Peterborough um, you know, four years ago, you have Mariam Monsef on the federal side, and you have, uh, I believe at the time, you had a, uh, a Peterborough uh, liberal uh, MPP as well. And then that flipped in the last five or six years to being a consistent conservative riding. Uh, and they have developed a very strong game in what used to be much more of a, of a toss-up bellwether. Well, uh, I'd like to just step back uh, again and, and just develop some of the ideas you've shared with us. I think if you looked at any interactive map of Ontario after the election, mm. what you would see is the north is completely orange. Yes. The south is completely blue. And then there's this mm. little tiny dot of red in Toronto and another minuscule dot of red at Ottawa. Right. And that's pretty much it. Yep. Now, my question is, what does that tell us? I think, I think what we're looking at right now is you're seeing, first of all, you're, you're now seeing the power of incumbency among the progressive conservatives uh, having principles after the liberals shot themselves in the foot with the Hydro One issues uh, back in 2018. When the Wynn government collapsed, I think they, they, the liberals in Ontario had a crisis of confidence. And... I don't know, and, and if nothing else, we all know that the Ford administration does not lack for confidence, if nothing else, and in everything it does, even if it occasionally is bluster and bravado, they, they come across as having developed a, a, a confidence in what they're doing uh, across the board. And I think a number of Ontarians outside of those pockets in Ottawa and in Toronto uh, which tend to lean more socially uh, progressive and the, the orange map in the northern uh, portion of the of the province. I think you're seeing people saying, you know what, I don't see a reason right now to vote anyone out. We've we've got a, a conservative group that seems to be doing all right through some tough circumstances and didn't see the need for a change. So I think this could be one of those were certainly the more rural areas and even some of the mid-size areas remain blue and orange before they get any more red again. But, but I wonder to what extent, though, it, you know, what we're really talking about here is, is really, it, it's not as if, um, you know, we see a, a spattering here and a spattering there. I mean, there's nothing blue north in northern Ontario. Mm -hmm. We... You know, it, it, it just visually, it's so striking to see just how divided the province is. And therefore, yep. you know, how does what does that mean in terms of, you know, the north uh, in terms of being properly represented? Um, again, rural and urban, um, you know, you have a city of Toronto and Ottawa that seem to uh, have captured uh, the, the seats for the liberals. But why, you know, if I was a party leader um, or a party organizer, wouldn't I be asking my, you know, does it really matter to them because they're winning or, you know, they're losing? I mean, I guess I, I, 
I wonder if the strategists don't need to go back to the drawing board and start asking themselves, why are we not making inroads across these boundaries? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would be checking three things. One, what did the liberals in Ontario outside of the urban cores win on? You know, just ask that question. If you look, go back to 2010 or whatever, ask what you're winning on. The second thing you do is say, okay, if we brought up those particular issues, why didn't we win in the last couple elections before? All right, let's hold aside Hydro One for just a second and the scandal that brought down the wind government. What else do we have to do to increase, if I'm the liberals, what do I have to do to increase the presence of my retail politics that connect but, people to emotion? But I have to ask you, though, I mean, doesn't it really come down to the fact that maybe the NDP are just more efficient and more concentrated in the North and yes. also that liberals have diluted themselves in the writing, other writings, they're diluted. And therefore, while they may be getting, you know, they have got a, a core like they do here in Northumberland, Peterborough South, um, they can't seem to swing anybody into that. Now, do the numbers bear that out? Yeah, they actually, it's a great point. There, there is a, if you, you look at the concentrations around Ottawa. Uh, there's one Kingston also went liberal. Uh, but if you look at all the ones around Ottawa, there are, if you get really close to Ottawa, you will see that there are the three ridings that went liberal, two that went NDP, and then three outside of that, three or four outside of that area that were blue. Those are a little more uh, rural that you expected to be um that you expect to be more of the of the of the conservative side. So when you look at that, one of whatever it is, they've got some popularity. Liberals have some popularity in urban areas, and the NDP has popularity in the north. But also, they they took a significant portion of Hamilton and the Niagara Falls region as well. So uh, and then also London went for NDP as opposed to say the Liberals. So that shows me that if that, and that's been the case for two straight elections, it shows me that the opposition ground game in those areas now significantly favors the NDP. What about the Green Party? You know, they, they only won one seat and mm -hmm. we've seen locally that they, they picked up some momentum. Um, what do you anticipate uh, looking at the numbers, how their future looks? I think their future gets brighter if the following, and I, and I have a, a, a friend of mine who lives in Germany, which also has a significantly strong Green Party group. And interestingly enough, at one point uh, in the, the uh, province where he lived, there was actually a weird coalition of conservative and green that served to create two things. The conservatives got some of the stuff they wanted, and the Greens got a very progressive sort of energy uh, portfolio. The Greens are beginning to get stronger and stronger as more and more people recognize climate change and as people are particularly frustrated, I think, with the liberal effort in climate change. Uh, so the Greens are getting some more traction. I, I do expect them to increase, particularly as we see some of the effects of climate change hitting the polar areas. Um, I don't know if they'll dent much in the way of the NDP, but I think they are making significant inroads into certain issues in Ontario that the Liberals once owned. When you look at the statistics, do the progressive parties, 
and I'm talking now about the liberals and the NDP and the green mm -hmm. need to become a single entity if they hope to win elections in the future. At the very least, even if they don't become a single entity, they have to, on occasion, present the front that, hey, we'll make a coalition together. So if you like your local NDP person or you like your local, local liberal person or you like your local green person, okay, vote for them. But the three of us are going to sit in a room afterwards and unite the left. And that's fair, too, because uh, if, if strategic voting doesn't work for someone, then maybe a coalition type recognizing the three leftward or more progressive parties would be really important for uh, them to uh, express more of that coalition building. I think if they don't express that, I think you're going to see a very long-term, strong conservative vote because the conservatives tend to always vote on the conservative side unless there's a distinct scandal that brings down their voting uh, percentages. But failing that, I think the three parties on the left would be well advised on a pragmatic basis to say, hey, look, we'll take the results of this and we'll get in a room and we'll work something out. Because if they don't, the conservatives who do tend to vote together and frequently and also based largely on age do get some of the greater lean in terms of voting participation, I think we'll continue to build a much stronger coalition unless the three parties on the left decide they're going to work together somehow. Well, if you add up the votes locally on the progressive side, mm -hmm. uh, you still don't win the election. Right. In 2022. But you did win in 2018. Not by a lot, by a squeaker. But... You, you would be able to win in 2018 now. I mean, David Piccini has got certain benefits to incumbency that I think is, will keep him fairly strong, assuming he doesn't shoot himself in the foot. If progressives want this, to stand a chance in this riding, they have to come together. I think so. They have to. And they, At least and mathematically, maybe, they, that's, the, that's the picture. Right. And maybe even in this particular riding with, with the trends right now, they may all have to get into a room, sit down and say, we will cross endorse or something like that. It used to be, and it, it's less common now in U.S. politics than it used to be, but there would, there would be times where parties would cross endorse uh, when it came to making sense across a left or right group. Because, for example, in America, there's the U.S. Republican Party, the U.S. Conservative Party, uh, the Libertarians. And there's a couple of other conservative parties, and they would sometimes run their own groups and often cross endorse in the same way that the uh, there's a Democratic Party, a Liberal Party and a Working Families Party and, and a nascent kind of Green Party in the US that all tend to cross endorse the Democrats uh, when it comes time. People think that the Democrat and the Liberal are the same part are different are same party. They're not. They're technically two, two parties in the US, but they tend to cross endorse. So it may be that the liberal NDP and Greens in the next, uh, say, 2026 election may have to work, sit in a room together and say, who do we cross endorse that can possibly defeat Mr. Pacini or Mr. Lawrence? Let me give you some history and, and, and then I'd like you to comment on it. Sure. If, if you go back and look at the various parties holding power, you see the political parties holding power. Um, they hold it for a block of time. And by the way, I, I pulled this from a, a CBC chart that was posted. 
So the liberals held power for a couple of decades in the late 19th century. Mm -hmm. Then the conservatives held power at the turn of the 20th century for nearly 30 years. And then the liberals came back for a little less than a decade. And then we see the big blue machine come to power in the early 1940s, and they go till at least the late 1980s. Then there's a brief stint when the liberals won and then the NDP each won a term. Mm -hmm. And then we went back to the conservatives under Mike Harris uh, in the early 1990s. Right. Then in the early 2000s, the liberals got back into power for the longest time over a, for for over a century for them. Mm -hmm. And then now we have two terms with the conservatives. It would seem like Ontario voters like to vote conservatives. I wanted to know what do you think and may all of this just be inevitable? I think when you look, particularly 2022, I think 2018 was, was clearly the Hydra one. But now you look at 2022 and I tend to think, especially because we had low turnout, and if there was a high turnout, there was a chance one of the left would have won if there had been a, a higher turnout, but there was not. If I, I tend to think that people, in, it's not always true, and I want to caution against that, but if you're looking at the reason why the conservative groups kind of rally around uh, Mr. Patini and Mr. Lawrence is because we look at, in Ontario, you look at the kind of conservative that gets elected. It's not like the wild rose, you know, prairie provinces type. These tend to be more the uh, suit and tie uh, kind of chummy. I mean, there are some, don't get me wrong, there are definitely some very, from very right wing politics in some of the areas of Ontario, and I don't want to duck that. But you're getting a person and a group, um, I think, in the conservative uh, groups in Ontario that tend to be more of the, uh, we're, we're, we're pro-business, we're, let's keep things nice and, Pro and Progressive calm. conservatives, right? Versus, yeah, the progressive conservatives. Yeah. So I, I, I guess what I'm, but that's not really what I'm asking. I'm looking oh, I'm back historically and I'm saying to you, historically, Ontarians for the last 150 plus years have voted conservative. Correct. Maybe it's in our DNA that we are conservative. You know, we have blips here of liberals and you know the one little run one time term for ndp but for the mm. most part we tend to vote conservative and what i'm saying to you is is if you look at the numbers over the more than a century it seems that we're we're just conservative people whether whether you know no matter what is, mm -hmm. is that a valid way to look at it at a chart like that or you know it, it, when you project that ahead it is it just speculation, I guess? Uh, it, it's fair. I mean, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, when you look at the, it, it's fair to say uh, in in Canada for, uh, for Ontario rather, is that, yeah, they do tend to lean conservative, particularly in lower turnout years because people aren't feeling um, overall the need to, uh, change. I think people just generally lean, uh, and particularly in many cases, but it definitely in Ontario, uh, I think they tend to lean conservative. Now, that having been said, you can look at where the Liberal Party turned out in a federal election, and you see some of those places. Ontario has a little bit better 
representation uh, in uh, in Toronto and in Hamilton and other areas of Ontario uh, on a federal level, and I think that has a lot to do with you know the way Justin Trudeau I think has has created a, a very popular base for himself, yeah. and I think he carries that. But I'm not entirely sure Ontarians as a whole they might like Justin Trudeau. But on a local basis, they seem to be leaning much more conservative. And as you point out in history, are that way generally. I think federally, they lean liberal, at least for right now. But locally and provincially, I think the lean is conservative and maybe for a while. So when you do any forecasting with the numbers that you've crunched, um, what trends are you seeing? Do you see any trends? I, I do see a few of them. Uh, assuming that for right now, those growth uh, population uh, continues as it is. It's going to depend on the type of growth. If the growth maintains as it is now, where it's generally an older population moving in for the benefits of having the nice beach and some degree of, of retirement security and the, the nice area that Northumberland County is uh, and, and uh, Peterborough South, I think you're going to tend to see a more conservative development going on. The difference could become if there is a growth in the younger cohort that tends to vote differently from the older cohort. As I said, there are about 80% of the Ontario population right now are eligible to vote, but 90% or close to 90% are eligible to vote in Northumberland, Peterborough South. So that aging population tends to vote a little more conservatively. But if there is something that starts hauling in a younger cohort, maybe a major manufacturing plant or an increase in university participation in particular, then I think the trend could change a little bit. I do think the growth trends, however, if they stay as the population cohorts now are, I think you're going to lean towards uh, a continued conservative representation in the area. Well, I think it'll come down to housing. And as long as our housing is expensive and we're developing single family homes, um, I wouldn't be holding my breath. Yeah. And now it's you're, we're talking, you know, over eight hundred thousand dollars average price of a house in Northumberland County. So yeah. uh, it's getting expensive, and that, that's going to attract a certain demographic. Absolutely, it's f fascinating, Richard. I thank you so much today talking to me today. It's it's truly, I know it's a lot of numbers for people to get their heads around, but they're they're so significant, and I, I think they tell us a different story. So thank you so much for talking to me today. Hey, glad to, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. That was Rich Quartermeyer, host of Active Stats. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, 
please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.